Hello Internet, my name is Jonathan Cook. And I'm Matt Noble. And in this week's episode of Screen Verdict, we're going to be talking Parks and Recreation. Yes, a return. We did a podcast on it last year, and we're back. Either we liked Parks so much, or our audience liked our Parks podcast so much, hmm. we decided to come back. Hmm. It hasn't been cancelled yet. Our podcast or Parks and Recreation? <laughs> I suppose both. <laughs> a win-win for now. So we give some of our general thoughts on the show in that podcast. In this podcast, we're just going to be talking about Season 5. Yes, all the Season 5 in and outs, and uh, probably Season 5 spoilers if you haven't seen Season 5 yet. I feel like it's not worth doing the spoiler sound effect for a comedy. Yeah. Play. It seems like that's more like the homeland, Breaking Bad. That's when you need to alarm people. Yeah. So that would make a good alarm. Like, imagine just, like, waking up each morning. Mm. To spoiler yeah. alert, spoiler alert. <laughs> Woo! Yeah. Oh, it have a certain my. sense of dread to it. Yeah. Like, oh, what's going on? I've got to get out of bed. There's an emergency. Like, Shut up, I haven't seen that yet! <laughs> <laughs> spoiler alert, you're about to get up. <laughs> <laughs> so, Parks and Recreation. This season, Leslie, she's still the star of the show. No Charlie Sheen shenanigans for Amy Poehler. They've been <laughs> able to keep her on. Well, they have to tie up that whole Ben and Leslie, will they, won't they, or stick yeah. together, will they, won't mm. they. Yes. So it's actually pretty interesting, uh, the beginning of the season, because the first episode, Leslie actually gets to go to Washington, D.C. Yeah, that was the drama of Ben having to leave and then the long distance, and it seems like they're doing all right because they're visiting and Leslie gets to go to, I suppose, the political mm. hub centre of the States, where she made oh, yeah. to meet some interesting people. Yeah, Washington, D.C. is literally the political capital of America. <laughs> <laughs> I was going to say capital, but then I changed it to hub because I thought if I'd have said capital, it would seem redundant because it is actually yeah. the capital. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> the melting pot for politics in America. <laughs> <laughs> Little known fact about these. <laughs> So, yeah, they're there. And uh, it's pretty cool we see a few cameos. A little bit of a sneaky John McCain. <laughs> I found the Joe Biden scene so awkward. Yeah, Joe Biden, the vice president of the United States, was in it. What did you find awkward about that scene? Well, Leslie is a bit of a dork and she is kind of goofy and things, but... She is good at her job. She's a good councilman. You like her as a councilman. And if she has these big aspirations to go further on in politics, I suppose they wanted to do, her to do better. Yeah. In, in what for her was a high-pressure situation, meeting her idol. And she bombs it so hard. She came off as so unstable, if not creepy. Don't you want that, though? Like, <laughs> if she just got... Hi, Mr. Biden. And Joe was like, oh, hi, Leslie. Here, you're doing good work. And she'd been like, yes. And here's an idea with immigration reform. He's like, oh, that's a good idea. I'll take that to the president. Wouldn't we then go, well, that wasn't very entertaining. Like, (laughs) they just got Joe Biden and shake her hand. Like, we at least got to see Joe Biden, like, involved in a pretty funny scene. Yeah, obviously the scene needs some sort of comedy, but I thought maybe she could do something impressive, but then, like, a picture of Joe Biden falls out of a bag or something awkward like that, rather than completely bombing it. Yeah. (laughs) She is so awkward. (laughs) But uh, 
So is Joe Biden, Joe Biden's her political hero? Well, we know she has a lot of female heroes, mm. but I guess her favourite male politician and someone that she, I think on more than one occasion, has referred to as sexy mm. uh, is Joe Biden. I'm just wondering if this could be tough for Leslie Nope in two, three years' time if we see Joe Biden and Hillary Clinton <laughs> going at it for... For nomination for president. Uh, I thought you were going to say it would be tough. Nope, V. Biden. Oh, right. (laughs) (laughs) Going up against a hero. (laughs) Well, the show seems to be able to get him. Maybe they could get a whole season's arc out of it. (laughs) Hey, Joe Biden. (laughs) You're not doing much. (laughs) We've seen Veep. We know the vice president really doesn't do much. Can you just commit to a 22-episode <laughs> Parks and Rec season? It's the only election you've actually got a hope of winning. <laughs> yeah. So other than being awkward around Joe Biden, Leslie this season, well, I guess does lots of things. She's the main character of the show. She's on the council too now, so she's got to do councillor things. <laughs> and she is having this up-and-down relationship with Ben. They're good but Ben has to go away, and then I guess he does so well that they offer him another job. Mm. And I was thinking, oh, how long are they going to drag this out for? But I think about four or five episodes in, he's just like, bam, let's get married. Yeah. What did you think about that? I thought it was great. I found it really annoying that going back, oh, having to choose between this and balance. He just chose Leslie. I was like, good on you, Ben. I like Ben, I like Leslie, I like Leslie and Ben. I thought it was the right move on the show's part. Here's here's my three thoughts on Ben as a character. Okay. Right? The drama with Leslie is bad. Yeah. I do not like this at all. This, <laughs> I, I do not want to watch a relationship drama when watching Parks and Rec. Last season, them on and off again, it was, was really painful. Really not funny, not entertaining, a drag. I do not like that. So it's like the negative Ben. <laughs> Then there's the Ben and Leslie as a couple, sort of going okay, proposals, sort of... That's I call an average Ben. I don't think he's taking anything away from the show. I don't think he's adding much. Then there is, I think, your Ben Plus, your positive Ben time, (laughs) which is when he's interacting with characters like Tom Haverford, and he's having to to, uh, play the Jim Halpert to their shenanigans and having to to, like, put out the fires that they are lighting. And that's really funny and entertaining. So I like him and Leslie as a couple to some degree, but I do find I'm not really that entertained by him and Leslie as a couple. It's sort of time on the show I'd rather spent with other things. Yeah, I agree. I think Ben's at his best when he's just being baffled by ridiculous things that Andy is doing. Or when he's talking to Anne and she sort of misuses a Game of Thrones reference, and yeah. she has to correct yeah, her on yeah. how there's no, yeah. like, magic... Uh, like, yeah. the Lannisters don't have any magic or anything. And she just pauses and goes, this is why we don't hang out more. Yeah. <laughs> <laughs> yes. Uh, I think Ben was maybe at his best in the E720 storyline <laughs> when he had to try and explain to Tom and John Ralphio how to run a business. <laughs> I think that was... I just found that so entertaining. But yeah, I guess, and the thing with the engagement and stuff, I guess, that I liked is it's, okay, we're putting the drama to the side. There still might be this couple stuff that's a bit boring, but it means that 
the Ben drama isn't going to be a main part of the show anymore. So as well as an engagement, we have a wedding. Ding dong. Wedding episodes are always a big thing in TV. 30 Rock did one this year. Yeah, it was okay. Yeah. <laughs> Not one of the classic TV weddings. No. Obviously, there's the uh, very memorable West Wing wedding episode, too, where Bartlett's daughter gets married. Spoilers, man. Oh. <laughs> He's got three daughters. You don't know which one. So, Ben and Leslie's wedding. Mm. There's a gala going on. It's a big event. And Ben just says, why not do it now? Mm-hmm. We've got all our friends and family here. We've got people from the community here. We've got a tent set up. Let's do it, man. And that's a good way, I think, to get all the other characters involved. Yes. Because then Chris and Ron are trying to find mm. a ring. Anne has to find her address. April and I think Andy are trying to get the, the signatures. It's a good way for all, all the characters to pull together to kind of show their support as a team mm. for Ben and Leslie. Tom and Jerry are working on the speech. Yeah. <laughs> so, yeah, no, I, I agree. I thought this was really a good idea. None of those rubbish family members that we don't care about organising the <laughs> wedding. It's the characters we enjoy in the show. And it was in a context where it made sense. Yeah. Yeah. So I guess there's a bit of a hiccup with uh, Councilman Jam. And they end up having it at the Parks and Rec department. Mm. So even more Parks and rec Parks and Rec wedding. Yeah. And I thought this worked really well. I think this was a really good TV wedding. Yeah, I thought it worked really well too. And it's sort of, um, we'll touch on this later, it came at sort of the same time things were heating up with uh, with her council work and other sort of things. It was sort of good out. It wasn't just like, oh, let's spend a whole soppy episode on a wedding, but they came up with lots of funny things to do and other sort of storylines as well that could lead up to the wedding. So it's sort of like a double episode, really, wasn't it? There was the lead up and then there was the, oh, this is actually happening. How do we put this together? <laughs> so maybe we'll come back to bit of Leslie action. Yeah. Yeah. (laughs) She's not really attractive enough for that to work, but, like, she's sort of all right, so it's not really, like, obviously a joke either. Paula's not unattractive, (laughs) but I don't think she plays a sexy character on the show. Um, She's no Liz Lemon. No. (laughs) So, so, uh, Leslie's friend Anne decides halfway through this season she really wants a baby. Yeah, I was a little surprised by this. And she seems relatively smart and stable and pretty popular with the fellas. She's mm. had some suitors on the show previously, but she decides, nah, not dealing with that anymore. Can't get the right man. I'm just going to do it on my own. Which I didn't think was a very Anne thing to do. That, that seemed to be out there for, for Anne. Anne has seemed a little bit more haphazard the past, like, two years, hasn't she? When she went on that dating spree. Yeah. And Leslie was like, control yourself, woman. Yeah. Like, when she came into the show, she was the straight person. Mm. I'm not sure she's really the straight person now, but she's not crazy. Like, she's not a zany character either. So, <laughs> like, she just... I don't know, I guess they use it how they want to. <laughs> to me, this seemed a bit left field. Like, remember, there was one episode where she helped look after Ron's girlfriend's kids. And she's terrible with kids. That was quite yeah. a funny scene. But she's got a nice, sweet moment with them at the end. Mm. And then next episode, it's like, I want babies. I want a baby. I, like, it seemed like it was... She's based <laughs> our, like, life decision 
that is lasting like a whole like eight hours. After one disastrous yeah. afternoon that had a sentimental ending. Yeah. Like for five minutes it went well. And she's yeah. like, I'd like to do that for the next 50 years. Well, she's based on like an, an eight arc, eight episode arc storyline decision <laughs> on a self-contained episode. Like <laughs> the events of a self-contained episode. This seems very bizarre. So Anne's just off the rails this season. So she goes through all her boyfriends to see who can give her the sperm. Um, <laughs> and that sort of leads to a bit of comedy and a bit of whatever. I thought that there was a really good scene with the douche. Yeah. Because I didn't really find him that funny previously. Hmm. Like the annoying shock jock yeah. radio presenter. But then I found it really funny when he was actually quite a charming, intelligent yeah, guy, and yeah. that was just a character. Yeah. But he kept on switching between the two. Yeah. Just to, like, annoy Leslie. Yeah. Now, yeah, that was really the good. The douche. Now, okay, um... There's something I found a bit hard with this storyline. Why was Tom Haverford not considered at <laughs> all? Yeah, I mean... From the show's point of view, I guess that could have been quite funny to have him sort of interviewed and go through the same process as everyone else. I think, I guess he wasn't ever really a lover, was he? Did I mean, how long was that actually real for? And how long was that was in them just pretending to be going out? Yeah, I don't know, but I still think, surely he's still, like, better than some of these. Like, she gets pretty <laughs> desperate at some, Like, she's just going through anyone, any people at some point. Like, during this sort of... It's not like she's just chosen the two boyfriends. Like, she's going through, like, the douche. Like, (laughs) the douche on the radio show. Surely, like, Tom Abbott is, like, higher on the list than him. (laughs) And I thought she did like Tom. He was just a bit too self-involved or whatever so she can see a relationship. And this season, Tom even seemed to get even more grounded than he was last season. You'd think, like... I don't know. I think this is a... um, Huge snub. Is Anne racist? <laughs> I'm, cool. I'm I'm putting that out there. I... Was there any non-white person who she considered? Maybe it's because the audience might want that, but that's not where the show wanted to go. Maybe if mm. they suggested that, people mm. are like, yeah, we love Tom. You've got to have Tom's baby. Yeah. But then they'd be disappointed when obviously the show didn't go that direction. Yeah. Yeah, that's probably it. <laughs> Now we've got Chris Traeger. He's a pretty confident guy. Pretty uh, positive guy. I thought Chris was great at first. I thought his relentless Mm. positivity, his pointing at people and saying their name every time he saw them... I love that. ...was really, really funny. But I thought they were sort of running out of places to go with Chris. It was a bit repetitive. or I just wasn't liking him as much anymore. This season, he's having a bit of a breakdown. Mm. And I thought this ended up being really funny because even though he is depressed and crying and needs therapy, he is relentlessly positive about his depression. Yeah. Um, (laughs) Which is sort of like a really interesting mix. Just things like him constantly referring to uh, his therapist Hmm. and how he got like an award for like most improved... Yeah. Uh, patient of the week. Yeah. Except that was just a thing he created for himself. Yeah. But the, the, the therapist was very proud of him for making it. <laughs> it was very silly, but it just seemed to strike yeah. the right balance for me. I thought it was really funny. Yeah, I liked it. I thought last season, I thought, I do. I loved Chris when he came onto the show. Last season, I thought it was getting a bit old. And maybe even though, like, 
going a bit over the top with it last season, like with his positivity. Like I preferred it being a little bit more subtle, just the points and the, you know, seeing like they were really trying to sell us. Whereas this season, I thought the breakdown they coped with really well. That was a good direction for his character. He literally said literally a few too many times. Yeah. <laughs> so uh, now I guess his breakdown and Anne wanting a baby. Good mix. Yeah. <laughs> Further evidence that Anne is off the rails this season. She decides to find the most unstable person yeah. for a baby. Yeah. And he thinks a baby will solve my problems. Yes. This is, I think, the problem with this baby. It seems to be being used by both of them to solve other problems in their lives. Yeah, I didn't really like that, but inevitably throughout the process, they start to have feelings for each other again. And then I thought, yeah, I actually sort of like Anne and Chris as a couple, so the story started to make more sense to me after a few episodes. Mm. Now we've got our fan favourite, Ron Swanson. People love Ron Swanson. Yeah. He's uh, a fan favourite. <laughs> <laughs> we got a little bit of hate for including Tom in our uh, 20 best sitcom characters list over Ron Swanson. Both I, great characters. Both very good, but I stand by the decision. <laughs> <laughs> now, Ron, he's sort of up to his old tricks because that's how Ron likes things. He's old-fashioned and he doesn't like change. He likes keeping things as they are. And Ron is still Ron. I thought there was a great line from early in the season when he has to take a phone call and the person says, oh, I've rang four times about this pothole and it's still not been fixed. And Ron says, that's because government is inefficient and should be dissolved. Yeah. It's like <laughs> classic this Ron Swanson anti-government bluntness. Yeah. I do like how um, this season we also had Ron and Leslie go head-to-head a bit more like over the video store. Uh, he wanted... To the free market to decide where the video store closed. So Leslie, putt, putt, yeah, course. Bad, yeah, um, all that stuff I liked because um, I think ideologically Ron and Leslie are from very different places, mm. and you would they would just not make sense if they just constantly didn't fight about those sorts of things because clearly there's going to be conflict. He doesn't think government should be involved in all in anything, <laughs> and she thinks government has a really important role to play in a lot of things. So. I'm glad, you know. And last season it seemed it was a bit weird he was running her campaign when he's got a completely different political view. So, Ron has a girlfriend. Yes, this season Ron finds himself a girlfriend that isn't Tom's ex-wife. And uh, isn't called Tammy. <laughs> those Tammy episodes are very... Do you like those Tammy episodes? They're kind of weird. They're a bit... I sort of like the idea, but it's just a bit too out there. Like, he sort of makes Ron go... I guess that's the point. You don't expect yeah. Ron to lose it, and she's that one thing that makes Ron just be a nutcase. I think the first one in, like, season two, I thought was pretty funny and enjoyed. I'm a bit over them now. <laughs> well, he finds a less crazy girlfriend in Lucy Lawless. Oh, yes. Okay. <laughs> oh, Yes. <laughs> And they get together because of some nice help from Andy, which I thought was uh, pretty good. And they're going out and things seem all right, but she has children. Hmm. Ron doesn't really like children. Hmm. doesn't know how to deal with them. But I guess after a few episodes, Ron just sort of 
learns to deal with that, and then they just sort of drop that storyline for, like, the next yeah. ten episodes. Yeah. There wasn't really a huge Ron arc this season, was there? Yeah, I mean, I liked her as mm. a potential girlfriend or wife for Ron, but there wasn't that much story there, and it wasn't really hilarious either. Mm. And other than just dropping in to give Ron Swanson opinions on other people's stories, I guess he didn't really have much to do this season, Ron. I think it was a bit of a weak Ron season, and that's not a great thing for the show. Hmm. Like, he's the fan favourite character I think he'd be on, like, he's our probably number two, I would guess. Yeah. Um, I like the Woodwork Awards episodes. Yes. Oh, that is nice. Because he makes a desk and gets nominated for an award. Yeah. Yeah, we need more episodes like that, Parks and Rec. Mm. Something else Ron does is he helps, uh, he invests in a business. (laughs) A business called Rent-A-Swag. I love the idea of Rent-A-Swag. It's a great idea. (laughs) Tom Haverford, he has a lot of swag. He's always got the... Most Diddy-ish style clothing, and conveniently is about the size of tweens, hmm. you know, young teens. They never get bought clothes with the swag that uh, Tom Haverford has because they grow out of them too quickly. Yeah. So he decides to make a store where he can rent clothes to these teens that are on his from his own collection. Hmm. Genius. Yeah, no, it's a very good idea. Kids can get these cool clothes for a cheap price, wear them to the hippest party in town, and then then bring them back, and then they can go get another outfit the next week, so they're not always wearing the same outfit. How bad is it? Like, you're always going to party in the same outfit. This is probably something, as I'm saying, I'm realising I am probably guilty of. (laughs) I know what I look good in, I have it, and I, like, usually just get, well, what's my best shirt? I'll wear that to the party. Now, I loved Entertainment 720. I thought that was a great business. But they didn't actually do anything. I resented a bit them referring to it as a failure so many times this season. <laughs> because it was sort of just general, any and all entertainment. Whereas Rent-A-Swag is a specific and profitable idea. Yes. Yeah, I don't think this is a better business idea than E720, but I think it's hard to call E720 a failure when they didn't really have a goal. <laughs> like, there, there was no nothing for them to fail at. <laughs> like, it was E720. Like, name the I thing they tried to do that they didn't do. Make money. Were they even trying to make money? I'm not sure. I guess they I feel were. like if you lose all your money, in some way that could be considered How a much fun was it, though? <laughs> they had Bengal tigers and... <laughs> and bas- professional basketball players and models and... E720, a fire that just burnt too bright. Yeah. <laughs> but no, I, I think this is business, I agree. I think, like you said with Ron... It could have used a bit more of Tom as well this season. I think like, so. Like, I feel like Renderswag was really good, but it only featured in two or three episodes. Mm. Like Ron, perhaps a little underutilized this well, season. Well, he does go out with someone. He is in a relationship. <laughs> Jean Ralphio's sister. <laughs> what do you think about that? 
I love John Ralphio. I think John Ralphio is great. So for Tom to date John Ralphio's sister, that has so much potential. I think that is a really, really funny idea. I think she was a bit annoying, just a bit silly, like a tiny bit over the top, though some of it was funny. I think the best bits was with her and John Ralphio together. Hmm. When Tom asks whether she's pregnant and John Ralphio is there. Yeah, <laughs> so good. And the good thing is John Ralphio doesn't... It doesn't cause any drama. Like, you don't really want to see drama with John Ralphio. And it's like, he doesn't seem to mind that Tom's going out with his sister at all. But he also doesn't seem to like his sister that much. So he's not protective <laughs> of her in, like, any way. Yeah, at first he's like, hey, this is my sister, man. Nah, I'm just playing. You dodged a bullet, my man! Yeah, yeah. Yeah, <laughs> yeah so I thought that was pretty good. I, I thought this was pretty fun. So another couple we have is April and Andy. Mm. The two A's, double A, batteries. Yes, the bat pack. <laughs> Someone should email Parks and Rec. They need a couple's nickname, the bat pack. It'll take you like a couple of minutes to explain on the show, but could be catchy. Yeah. And he wants to become a cop. He's always enjoyed playing Burt Macklin, FBI agent. Oh, yeah. Now he wants to be a cop for real. Doesn't go too well for him. No, he, he he's so worried about failing the, the knowledge test that he studies it ridiculously. Uh, and it's pretty funny the methods he's used to memorise the things. But he gets the best results ever in the test. But then he fails the personality thing that he wasn't worried about. I was sort of looking forward to Andy being a cop. Mm. But I think they've taken Andy as his character... To a point where he he really is very silly. Almost too silly for him to be believable as a cop. And I suppose that's why they made him fail. Yeah, I was a bit disappointed. I wanted to see him be a cop too. Mm. And I feel like, you know, it's surely like no more silly that Paul Rudd, Sweetums guy, being a viable <laughs> like, candidate for local council election. Like, <laughs> April, she starts off working in DC with Ben... Yeah, she's just a typical sort of dark, cynical, witty, psycho, weirdo self. I really like the episode where she has to do Katumps, the Chris Traeger management training seminar. Yeah. Whatever it's called. Yes. And she uh, plays uh, Ron and Chris against each other. So she doesn't have to do any work. Yeah. It's great. That was a really clever episode. So we get left with a bit of a cliffhanger with April, whether she'll go to... Oh, yeah. Veterinary school and Andy and April be mm. part, which is a bit, I don't know, that sounds, I don't really want to go through that drama. But they resolved it fairly well and quickly with Ben and Leslie. Hopefully they'll do the same with April and Andy. And I feel like at the beginning of this season, they were apart for a bit anyway. Mm. Like, I don't think the stakes are that high. Oh, can they survive <laughs> being a couple of hours away? <laughs> Probably. They did it <laughs> earlier this season without any dramas. <laughs> But there was something I was really excited about this season as I saw it unfold. And I think it's something that we were really critical of in the last season podcast. And it was the, I guess, mysterious disappearance of Lot 48 from the Parks Recreation Universe. For those who don't know, haven't listened to our previous podcast, season one starts with Anne going to complain to Leslie that there's this hole in the ground where her boyfriend Andy fell, broke his leg, and um, 
what is what are you going to do about it? And this is sort of what inspires Leslie. We should do. We shouldn't just like not do anything. We should do stuff when people come us with problems. Let's build a park there. <laughs> and that's sort of like I guess for the first two seasons, one of the big governing things going through Parks and Rec. Can we get a park there? Here's all this bureaucratic red tape we need to cut through. Last season it was completely dropped, but this season. People started talking about Lot 48 again. April is actually the person who brings it up because she wants to set up a dog park there. Yeah, I was so happy with the return of the park. This was huge. I was very excited. (laughs) I guess Lot 48 and the park is where we started the show and Leslie has always been driving to achieve certain things and she's been very good, but this is something that just got dropped, that didn't get resolved. And so for it to come back and Leslie get the opportunity to turn it into a park is something that I was really rooting for and excited to see this season. And I really like the fact that she came up against perhaps a bit of an enemy, a bad guy, a nemesis for the season in Councilman Jam. You just got jammed. (laughs) Now, at first, Councilman Jam seemed sort of familiar, his mannerisms and stuff, but I couldn't quite mm. place his face. Okay, yeah. But after a couple of episodes, it came to me that he is John from Delocated. Oh. <laughs> that was draining for me. <laughs> Which is kind of funny because in the show Delocated, he constantly wears a ski mask because he's in the witness protection program and his face can't be shown on TV. Mm. So even though I've watched like all three seasons... And I'm really familiar with him. I actually don't know what the actor looked like. Because you only ever see him in the ski mask. So I was like, those mannerisms, that voice I've heard before. Ah, it's him from Delocated. And I think he's really funny in that. And I really enjoyed him in Parks and Recreation as well. Yeah, last season I was a bit critical of Paul Rudd being the nemesis. I just thought... I didn't believe it. Yeah, I like Paul Rudd, but that was a bit silly, his character. Yeah. I love Councilman He's Jam. So he good. was so good. He was sort of silly, a little unbelievable that someone would be that douchey, but it just works. And his catchphrase, you just got jammed, was so... Fu- Whenever he used that, I just thought it was hilarious. I loved it when Leslie's like, oh, I hate to admit this, but we've just been jammed. Yeah, yeah it's so good. And just... The, uh, when he's like courting the votes for Putt Putt and the golf gear he's got on, he's just like the way he carries himself. He's so douchey. Like, what are you doing tonight? He's like, or is it who am I doing tonight? He's like, Ugh. like he's, yeah. And then he's so cringe really. And then he goes, No, 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 I'm free. What do you want to do? <laughs> <laughs> so good. I love the jam. So that was great, and it's great that she had a foil to try and get this thing done. And I liked um, sort of her and April had to work together to get this park through, and they had to go through the bureaucracy. And I think this is really the great thing Parks and Recreation teaches is local government, there's bureaucracy. It's hard to get stuff done in local government. And I think the fact that it took five seasons to do this park and the fact that she had all these hurdles to clear this season was, was quite funny, but also you could learn something from it. I think they built it up really well with the bringing back Lot 48, building out that storyline. It comes to a climax in that episode where, Jam, where Jam's at his worst. He gets the emergency response team and he tries to ruin the wedding. The, the wedding's all happening and they finally make the money at that that thing, that, uh, what is it, the... Gala? Gala, yeah, to build the park and get the other councillors' votes. But then they just drop it again. We don't see the opening of the park... 
we don't. Yeah, I was trying to remember. I feel like yeah. maybe we did get we? a glimpse of the park, but it wasn't. A, it wasn't a satisfying thing. No, like, here's an episode about the opening, or here's the final product. Here's what Leslie worked for years to achieve. Yeah, like, today it just sort the of par- moved on. Yeah, today's the part. The park's opening. And here's some things that go wrong on the day that Leslie and the team have to, like, you know. So I thought that was a bit weird. Because in the last episode, you got all the people coming up making complaints about things Leslie's done the past year. And one of them comes up and you put this park where I wanted the burger place. And I was like, oh, they've already done the park. Is that done now? Is that just, <laughs> like, yeah. Would have been a good season final, maybe, the opening of the park. Yeah, actually, I think that would have been great season final. Because the season final was... For me, all right. It was kind of funny, but the things they ended on, like, oh, people are upset. Leslie might get recalled. Is that what it's called? Yeah, I'm assuming that will be next season's big yeah. arc. Leslie having to fight another election because she's being recalled. Like, Ron's girlfriend's pregnant. April might be going to veterinary school. Like, it was all okay stuff, but it wasn't either a great wrap-up for this season or a really exciting cliffhanger for next season. It was just kind of like, mm. oh, another episode's worth of... Yeah. Development. With a few little cliffhangers thrown in at the end. Mm. I think it's very hard to pull off those... Like, this episode in some ways was people coming and complaining to Leslie about things she'd done the past year, and it's hard to pull that off without it coming across a bit like a sort of clip show rather Mm. than a satisfying ending. So is it time to give Parks and Recreation Season 5 Let's do it! (laughs) I think it's great when producers of a show... Listen to an episode of Screen Verdict and take our advice. Yes. Season four, I thought, was still worth watching, but the weakest season yeah, I would agree. of Parks and Recreation. I didn't like the Ben and Leslie relationship dragging out with the will-they-won't-they they stuff. Yeah. They resolved that yes. in about four or five episodes. Mm. I thought it was strange that they just dropped the park. We liked the park. We wanted yeah. that resolved. They brought back the park. Yes. I guess those are the main two. I, but they also, I think they also do things like improving Chris's character and mm. just generally listen to Screen Verdict's advice and it has become a better show because of it. Giving Tom Tom a new business idea as well. Like, we like yeah, seeing Tom e- run a e- business to set up another one. Yeah. Wag. So I think in most ways this season has been an improvement. I think Ron and Tom could have been used a little bit more. I didn't think the finale was anything super special, but... There were some really great episodes, including uh, The Wedding, and just generally, I think, the standard of the comedy, just the writing, the one-liners, the dialogue, has been very funny this season, and and I really enjoyed this season. I'd say Parks is close to being back at his best, so I'm going to give this season an 8 out of 10. Very good. I, I agree with a lot with, of what you said, so just, like, like just repeat whatever you said. Uh, the only things I'll add are... I think the beginning of the season took a while to get warmed up, other than a few little fun political cameos that were really nice moments for the show. I think then it really hit its stride and was, you know, Parks, like great Parks and Rec, culminating in that wedding uh, episode and the gala emergency response sort of arc, ending with that. And then I feel like towards the end of the season, the wheels fell off the wagon a little bit. Not not that it was a bad show or anything, just I feel like it hit that peak and then uh, petered out a little bit towards the finish line. Text message. Uh, petered out towards the finish line. So, so and I'll give it an 8 out of 10 as well. <laughs> so, there you go. So, now housekeeping. Do you have any housekeeping, Jonathan? 
Well, we got a bit of feedback from the Screen Verdict listeners. Okay. And that feedback seems to be that you want less podcasts and more pictures of us in suits. People love the pictures and of yes, us. New Facebook profile photo got more likes than any of our other podcasts. Or podcasts. Yeah. Perhaps all our podcasts added together. People yeah. went nuts. People love the new photo. photo. People love <laughs> Which, can you blame them? <laughs> <laughs> oh, my. So, who knows? Maybe 2014 we'll have a calendar out or something. Yeah. It did get the official stamp of approval from Tom Haverford himself. Yes, there you go. So that's fantastic. Uh, we were wearing our swag, so yes. Thanks to everyone <laughs> who liked the photo. Okay, well, I, I had someone reach out to me on the Twitter this week. <laughs> Twitter, and it's a podcast suggestion. Whoa. So oh, I have not run this by you yet. I thought I'd run it by you <laughs> on the podcast and see what you think. At Knob Truth which is my Twitter handle, N-O-B Truth. How about a Top of the Lake podcast? Jonathan. My initial response is, what is Top of the Lake? Okay, well, is there a quick trail? Oh, look, okay. (laughs) The next three minutes of the podcast will be us listening... To the trailer. Well, there's a, there's a 30 second trailer. Let's just watch the 30 second one and we'll have our live reactions to the 30 second Top of the Lake trailer. We'll do a commentary. Yeah. We'll do you it. like that Game of Thrones commentary? Here's the Top of the help. Lake promo commentary. You're a long way from any help. Oh, there's a gun. I am the help. The West Wing. Oh, oh, I'm oh. sorry, I messed up. That's what I want to know. Because when you get to the edge of the universe, what's there? Don't know. Don't know. It's, no it's like place beyond the client, but without Ryan Gosling. Do it now. It's obviously a bad thing. Is that a movie or a show? It's a show. Yeah. Okay. <laughs> what do you think? <laughs> that trailer was interesting enough to maybe get me to watch an episode. What channel is it on? I don't know. It wasn't a very good promo. If I couldn't even remember what channel it's on. Um. Well, I replied to you. This was uh, Bob Fallon that sent in this. Oh, he's uh, yeah. contacted the podcast before. Oh, he definitely has. And um, It's definitely not Phelan. It's definitely Felon. <laughs> Bob the criminal. <laughs> <laughs> Feel free to correct the pronunciation, Bob, <laughs> of your surname. Um, I, I, I replied to him, haven't seen it, but we'll run it by Jonathan. It's good, question mark. <laughs> He goes, yeah, it's pretty good. Like, obviously he thinks it's good. (laughs) That's a pretty stupid question for me. You don't need us to review it. We've got the Bob Feelin review right here. (laughs) What's the point of the podcast? (laughs) Yeah, it's pretty good. And the accents remind me of Screen Verdict. (laughs) There you go. Wow. So... (laughs) If you love hearing us talk yeah. so much that you want to hear similar sounding people, perhaps Top of the Lake could be the show for you. So do you think it's like there are Australians in it, so it sounds a bit like us? Or do you think that like he would love to hear me do some accents or some impressions of the Top of the Lake characters? <laughs> Well, I don't know. I thought she was American, and I pointed out that I heard someone that didn't sound American and sounded yeah, Irish, Irish or something. Mm. Uh, so either Bob thinks we sound American or Irish, <laughs> or he's just keen 
to hear a show in which people talk like your governor impression. Because <laughs> everyone in this show talks like Matt's the governor and Frank Underwood. Yeah. Um, speaking of that, didn't we get a Facebook thing on the wall about our Walking Dead podcast? No, I remember I reading. I remember reading that something on our Walking Dead podcast on I the Facebook page. I feel like you're page. making this up. There's, not, like, there's um, not even any point in checking because I, I know it won't be there. Let's have a look. Let's, uh, yeah, Theodore Bentley. I actually liked Matt's governor impression. <laughs> I'm pretty keen to hear it get more and more deranged when you guys review season four. <laughs> So there you go. There, people love my accents and <laughs> impressions. <laughs> um, Bob also sent along, it's got Peggy from Mad Men and only six or seven episodes. Well, that's good. That's that is a, a sell. TV. That is the equivalent of, that's like the TV return of Jafar principle. Yeah. So maybe we'll do a Top of Lake podcast. I don't want to get Bob's hopes up, though. I'm feeling like less than 50% chance. I feel like I'll give it an episode. Okay. And then see whether I either like it or think it could be interesting for a podcast. Mm. It also depends by the, how long will it take us to watch seven episodes. Will the show be really old by then? Oh, has it aired in its entirety? I'm, I'm not sure. I'm not sure. We'll look into this. We'll look at, we'll do our research. This is Bob, not a research housekeeping segment. <laughs> <Yeah. laughs> well, I want to surprise you with it. I guess I could. You could have <laughs> done it yourself. <laughs> Thank you for establishing as anyone but my fault. <laughs> okay, thanks, Bob. And uh, if you've got a suggestion for a podcast, uh, please send it through. We love uh, suggestions. Next week, it's going to be a big one. The return of Ryan Gosling. Podcast listeners may remember, I went nuts for Drive. I lost my proverbial poop over that film. You have not... You got. You really like that movie. This is another chance for me to get Matt on the Ryan Gosling train. Okay. Or the Ryan Gosling pine. I thought you were going to say motorbike because he drives a motorbike <laughs> oh, okay. in the trailer. That makes more sense. All right. So look forward to that, guys, mm. and we'll see you next week. Goodbye. Uh, why did I say that? Um, yes. See you next week. That's what I said. You're going to say something different, man. <laughs> Cool. Cheerio.